You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. I invite you to turn to James chapter 1 if you have your Bibles. Um, We're continuing our series here, If I Only Knew Then, What I Know Now. And we actually have the same title for today, When You Feel Like Giving Up, Stay the Course. Um, When you want to give up, stay the course. I think if you were to walk out of here today um, with nothing more than even that, that is so helpful and minds you to stay the course. uh, No matter what you face, no matter what your trials may be. In James chapter 1, I can't get over this passage of scripture. It ties in so well with the Apostle Paul's letter to the Corinthians as well. But James says, blessed is the one who endures trials. And you remember the word here in the Greek, blessed, is, is, is connected with the word baraka, to be a blessing, to be placed in a favorable position for favorable outcomes. So when you think of it in that light, it's saying favorable outcomes are to the one who endures trials. Because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Now, you could park right there, Isaiah. You could leave here today and say, well, wait a second. James is saying, in order for me to be saved, I have to get to work. I have to be proven that I'm, I'm good, that I'm in the faith, and then I'm going to receive the crown of life. That's not what he is saying. He is emphasizing that this crown of life is promised to those who love Jesus, who love our mighty God and Savior. Verse 13 goes on to say, No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. You know, when James was writing this letter, there was an issue happening in some of the churches where the people, because of poverty, because of opposition, were trying to repay evil with evil. They wanted to get back. They wanted to pay back that evil. And he's telling them, be careful. Once you conceptualize it, conceptualize it and give into it, it bursts what you do not want to see blossom. It breeds death. And he says in verse 16, don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. I underline this in my digital Bible, don't be deceived. What God gives you is perfect. What what he puts in your path is always in the perfect timing according to his goodwill and purpose. And I think like you, as it is with me, I don't always appreciate that. I don't always have eyes to see his perfect timing. You know, when we think about our days and what we experience in our life, I think all of us would say the reality is life is full of both wonder and it's full of challenges and temptations. 
Life can be hard. We've all experienced these trials that James is talking about. We've experienced injustices. And so it's not unimaginable that you'd be tempted to give up. Last week I asked you the question, have you ever felt like taking like a wrestler in the ring and just letting them take things over? I'm done, I'm out of here. Packing the towel, so to speak. It's safe to say we all have needs. And this week I was writing down the needs that I have in my life. And then you quickly come to find what are just needs that are out of necessity and then needs that are fabricated because of circumstance. Necessity and circumstance. And I wrote this, our adversary, the devil, desires to manifest in those circumstances. Whenever you're facing opposition, you're facing those trials, you can always tell when that stinking thinking, like Andrew Farley likes to say, peaks his head, when the enemy of our souls begins to speak, you can very quickly see his voice over the voice of God because his voice is regarding a perfect gift. But if I was to ask you here this afternoon... I think all of us would say, as a follower of Jesus, you've come to know through knowledge of the word and experience of relationship with him that this is not God's goodwill and purpose for our life to engage in temptation, to repay evil for evil, to pay back wrongs, but to stay the course even when you want to get even. Romans twelve nineteen says this, friends, do not avenge yourselves Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. What I appreciate about that is nothing is beyond his gaze. He sees everything that's happening, the the going ins and the, the going outs, everything that happens. God is aware of it all and he is balancing the scales at the day of the Lord. And in this fact, if his will is for us, if his will is truly for you today, through his enduring presence and provision, that we will not be crushed when we face that temptation. Last week, we looked at where Paul told the Corinthians, in fact, you'll be able to endure it. You'll be able to bear it. When I left here last week, I was encouraged in that very reminder of Scripture. No matter what I might face this week, God's provision is on its way that I can endure it, that I can bear it. And it made me think as I was writing the message here for this afternoon, John 16, Jesus said, I told you many things and I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. That's what my translation says in the CSB. Be courageous. It's an act of participation again. Take action. Let this permeate in your, in your thought life, permeate within your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Be courageous, for as I've conquered the world, so shall you. Paul says in Romans 8, 37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. And so what I can appreciate as we are singing here today, watching my brother and and team lead us in worship so well, that truly we can trust that God not only loves us, but he will meet us in our time of need. And sometimes we have to experience that when we're experiencing trials. 
I'm going to invite you to turn to 1 Peter 5, just for a few moments here. In his early letter to the early church community, there's this part in chapter 5, verse 5, where Peter is encouraging the believers of the early church not to be swayed because of the cunningness, uh, cunning uh, schemes of the enemy. Now, of course, they were waging against the spiritual force of darkness, and then those in the flesh, they were essentially being attacked at every corner by the government system, by uh, Emperor Nero and the likes of them, desiring, just working in harmon, uh, harmony, if you will, with uh, the enemy of their souls, Lucifer for the devil, to lead them astray, that they would deny the name of Christ. To the point where in order to get people to deny, the emperor would feed them alive to lions. Swallow them up whole in front of, uh, you know, the applause of the spectacle of the people that were in the crowd, like the movie Gladiator would depict. And Russell Crowe would cry out, are you not entertained? Is what the emperor was doing with these Christians. And so I can't help but think, even when you watch that film, as the gladiators battling and there's a, there's a lion that comes out of the pit and launches up and tries to grab Russell Crowe as he's fighting. And the lion just inches away from him. The lion's just desiring to sink his claws into the gladiator. It doesn't matter who it is. Anyone who's in his path, he wants to sink his claws into you. And so these are some of these helpful uh, images as I was going through this passage, even this morning. 1 Peter 5, verse 5, it says this, In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Right there in verse 5, it says, In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to elders. Think how important this is. Your elder, we all have them, they have life experience. They have been in places you maybe have not have been. They've walked a mile that you have not yet had to walk. And so they're able to say to you, like the point of our message, you might want to give up, but stay the course. You know, I've said it many times, and I don't grow tired of, of saying it, however. Uh, the, I appreciate the reminder of my own father that would always say, Andrew, stay the course. Stay the course. Trust in God. Stay the course. There's, there's so many times where just a natural in the flesh, you're frustrated with things that are going on around you. And you're, you're talking to God. Yeah, you're praying and you're engaging. But in the flesh, you're talking to your brothers and sisters in the Lord and, and just being open and honest. What in the blazes is going on? How am I going to turn this corner? How is God going to work this thing through? And it's so timeful, that, that message of my elder, my, my own father, stay the course. You know, a few weeks ago, when I was preparing this series, uh, Ron Gregg, who's a member of our, our church, he wrote me a message and said, I remember your dad one time was preaching, and I remember very clearly he said that very statement, stay the course. Stay the course. In fact, another person said a helpful imagery was when he was sharing the similar type of message is whatever your cares are, whatever your needs are, it's like a cup to the Lord. And just offer like that, just an imagery, that cup to him, that he sees it all. And as you offer it to him, he's going to lessen that burden. He's going to take that burden from off of your shoulders. 
And so you can appreciate when Peter is saying, you need your elders. So clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And I've learned this fact that if you don't heed the words of your elders, the only other way for you to learn this lesson is to go through that mile. God will humble you. You will learn the grace and favor of God one way or the other. And so he writes, Peter says, humble yourselves, verse six, under the mighty hand of God so that ye may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Here we see verse seven, he's emphasizing there is this promise of relief in the future. It's not like today in our society, we have drive-throughs everywhere. We have real-time action. Sometimes the delivery isn't when we want it to happen, but God's timing is always perfect. And Jesus reminds us, as he told his followers before they went to sleep, it's as if I think he knew they may fall asleep because of the grief they were going to endure, knowing all the things that were going to happen down the road as Jesus would go to the cross and there would be opposition and such. And he tells them, pray that you will not enter into temptation. Cast all your cares on him because he cares about you. We very quickly, on one, one side of things, we may prefer to run to an elder, prefer to run to hear those voices that maybe coddle us or allow us to stay in a holding pattern. And there's other times when you pray and you get in your prayer closet that God gets you on the straight and narrow and says, this is what I have for you. This is the path that you are to take. It says in verse eight, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. There's that image again, the lion. He's waiting to launch. He's waiting to pounce on you and gather all his you know, ministering angels of his forces to get you right where you're weakest. Maybe you've let down your guard. Anyone that he can. You know, this, this hit me in a whole new light. Anyone. Like, the devil is so miserable, he's so defeated, he knows his end is near, that he wants to take as many down with him as possible. Anyone, anyone he can slink his, again, his claws into. But in reality, unless we outright deny Jesus, Satan can't have you. I wrote this here, I I just love saying it. Satan, you can't have me. You can come after me in all these ways. You can, you can strike me with disease. You can strike me with poverty like Job. And yet I will not come against the name of Jesus in whom I am saved. But what did Jesus say about denial? This is the real hard truth of the word of God. What did Jesus say about denial? He says in Matthew 10, 33, but whoever denies me, Before others, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. So it's very simple. If you can say there is no Christ, I don't need him. He didn't die for me. 
That is a form of denial. Now, some might say it's just by the actions that you do. You know, if it was just based on an actions-based philosophy, if you went out there today and you're driving down the road wrong, you're driving back to Milton and the traffic gets a little heavy on Highway 6 and you lose your cool and you start spewing all this venomous curse words and stuff and then you start getting road rage and you start running people off the road and you start calculating and piling up all the evil that you're doing on the way of the road, you're in big trouble because your actions are denying the Lord. But thankfully, it's not based on this ticker tick box of the works that we do, but rather our faith in who Jesus is, who says, the wages of sin is death, but I've taken your death upon myself and I've paid the price. John 10, 28 says this, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of our hand. And so when you read through the pages of scripture, Satan, which means accuser, is also called our slanderer. He's always speaking falsely against us. He can seek to, to cut you up. He can seek to draw attention to your past scars in an attempt, and I'm gonna stress the word, in an attempt to swallow you up just trying to devour you. But at the end of the day, if you can allow this to permeate in your spirit, none of that can ever measure up against the final say of God. Those who keep the faith, his promise is, no one will perish, never. For you'll never be snatched out of my hand. Man, I can appreciate this when you fall short, when we leave here today, when you go through the weekend, you misstep. Thank God you're firmly secure in his hand and it ticks off the enemy. And when we say enemy, we mean Lucifer the devil and his fallen angels. They know their future. They know what awaits them. They know the abyss and the torment of hell that they will endure but that's not as so for us who are in Christ. And so I wrote this here as a reminder, even for myself, and if you're taking notes, maybe this will speak to you here as well. It's this freedom in knowing which girds us to live like the saved that we are. It's this freedom in knowing which girds us to live like the saved that we are. One of my favorite verses I remember memorizing in Master's Commission, it was NIV, but because I preach from the CSB, I'm going to read it for you. But in Revelation 1.5, it's just an incredible reminder of what we have in Jesus Christ. It says this, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has set us free from our sins by his blood. The rulers out there from the time of history itself, there's always been rulers who have popped up, think they're larger than God. They're bigger than God, that they can topple his plans and good purposes, but they always succumb and fail. They can never measure up to our mighty God. And so you can appreciate when Peter is writing this letter, he's aware of all of this. He's seen Jesus Christ as son of God in action. So he says, when you feel like giving up, remember the elders who are with you. Clothe yourself in humility. You need one another. You're going to face trials, but be sober and alert. See the enemy, but resist him and he will flee from you. And take courage that you're not in this alone. He writes in verse 9, says, Resist him, firm in the faith, 
knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Sometimes you can feel like you're on an island, that you're the only one who's serving the Lord. Lord, I don't know about everybody else, but I feel like I'm all alone. I'm the only one here on this island. I'm living for you. Where is everybody? How come I'm the one that seems to be going through it all? But here the reminder of Peter, who knew what it was to deny Christ pre-cross, that emptiness that he would have felt, but he knew what it was to be restored and to trust in the Lord and who can firmly say, when you resist the enemy, when you remain firm in faith, he will flee from you. And James in 4.7 says that exactly. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Sometimes in conversations, not to draw attention to anybody specifically, thank God no one in our congregation has said something like this, but I've heard in conversations in the past uh, and paraphrasing, basically saying that the enemy has my number. No matter what I do, I'm just going to have to bear it. To me, it's an imagery like this. You go to the airport, and maybe you just got in the habit of packing things you don't really ever need, and we've all been there, and you have all these bags you're hauling through the terminal, and you're going through time and time again. There's no nexus, okay? I admit compounds, insult, injury. There's no nexus, and you're waiting in that terminal. And you can imagine how this luggage just feels like it's weighing you down. But could you imagine... If you always just had to carry luggage of life around you, the burden of every sin all the time, even when you're saved? Is that what the gospel's about? That, yeah, you're saved, Jesus died for you, but you're gonna have to carry it all. Those burdens and those trials and that sin that so easily entangled you, you're gonna just have to deal with it, Sue. Sorry. <laughs> Verse 10, the grace of God who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered for a little while. Again, verse nine, resist him, firm in the faith, knowing the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. I could appreciate these letter, this letter from Peter reminding the people again, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. I, I don't know who needs to hear that today. Maybe it's just for myself, but I believe it can be applied much, much grander than that. You are not alone. You know, we looked at last week, Jesus showed us so, so well of the, the weight and agony of life, the things that we experience in our flesh. And I can appreciate even greater today, I can truly tell you that last week I grew in my knowledge and understanding of the Lord and how truly alike us he really was. And it's easy to forget, but that's how he can truly be our high priest. He's actually able to empathize with our struggles. He doesn't just sympathize. He knows. He knows what we face. You say, well, you know what? Jesus wasn't walking the face of the earth when social media exists. He didn't know what it was like for people taking pictures around every corner, capturing every live moment, putting it live for the whole world to see. 
You don't, you don't, you don't need to have social media to understand that he went through everything that we face. He was ridiculed like we are ridiculed. He was tested like we're equally tested by the enemy. And yet he was without sin. Amazing. And so therefore he's able to help us overcome every temptation and fearful situation. Look at Hebrews 2, 17, 18 says this. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God. For you to truly understand, for you to truly be um, a benefactor for people, you need to understand what they're going through. To really know, you have to be in the know. And so here it's showing so that he can become merciful and faithful in his role. It says to make atonement for the sins of the people. He encountered what those sins were. Now think about that for a moment. I'm not trying to put words on the page of scripture, but just be a little bit creative. Use a little bit of imagery. And it says to make atonement for the sins of the people, he darn right would have to know what a lot of those sins are. He would know what men would face in the whole color of what us men go through. And same with you women. What are those things? And yet all those things were not outside of his mission. He makes atonement for all of them. It says in verse 18, for since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. And so this should be able to put to rest for us here today, give us that comfort, stirring our faith that Jesus truly knows us. You might think that you're so unique, that Jesus is just getting to know you, that somehow you're extra special in that regard, and you are. The Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made, but make no mistake, he knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And that's a crazy thought, isn't it? That he knows you better than you know yourself. And to help bring this to a close, in Psalm 139, David pens and writes this picture of how God really, truly knows everything about you. And so this shepherd boy who became king, who faced temptations, the consequences of those temptations, but also equally so, and I emphasize, the blessing of the life transformation that comes through repentance and turning to the Lord after you've engaged, after those temptations have been conceived. And he said at best, even prophesying how God really loves us, how he truly knows us. And he says in Psalm 139.1, Lord... You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it all too well, O Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I'm unable to reach it. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed and Shiloh, you are there. 
If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there, and I'm going to emphasize that there, I have it underlined in my Bible, even there, whatever that eastern horizon, whatever that western limit is in your life, even there, his hand will lead you. He says, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. And so when I was packing things up today and I finished my own devotional time after the message was completed, I wrote in here that no matter what I say, no matter where I'm at, if I've hit rock bottom, if I'm experiencing triumph or even distress of whether it's grief or agony, even there, O Lord, your hand will lead me and hold on to me. No matter what. Remember David who faced a great temptation as a king when he saw Bathsheba up on the rooftop and and allowed temptation to be conceived and all the the turmoil that represented and, or sorry, manifested itself, the internal agony and trying to cover up a lie after lie and all those aspects that happened to the point that through discipline of the Lord that he lost his own son, but in that it turned him all back to the Lord. In fact, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. In order for David to be a man after God's own heart, he truly had to love what God loves and hate what even God hates. Your hand will lead me and hold on to me. You know, very quickly as I, as I wrap this up, a lot of times we can experience memory loss. We can forget all the wondrous acts of God. We can forget that he knows us and we can get wrapped up in ourselves. And very quickly, I believe, as James was saying at the beginning, you are blessed when you endure trials, that it evens us out. It brings us back to an even keel, a true dependence in the Lord and not in self. And so I encourage you to hear that this afternoon. And when you feel like giving up, when the going gets tough, stay the course. You're not alone. Like our brothers and sisters of old, as we read through the page of scripture, I encourage you, you know, perhaps you read through the, the Bible and you maybe read a chapter a day or night, whatever it may be, continue to read. Because it's through the power of prayer, Jesus says, you will not enter through temptation. It's through the word of God that we grow in our knowledge and understanding of who he is and how he operates, what his delivery system looks like, and it's faith. But if we're putting our faith in written works of things that are not the word of God, we're getting out on a wrong foundation, and that foundation will crumble. And that's why we get all these these missteps and nonsense even in the church because based on books and things that are written that have no founding in scripture. So as we come to a time of worship, just remember those words that Peter says, resist the devil and keep the 
faith. James says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And David says, and your hand will lead me and hold on to me. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? No matter where you are, when you leave here today, he is with you. And so whatever your circumstance, maybe you're even celebrating in triumph. I encourage you, if you're experiencing triumph in your life, thank God for his prevailing, enduring presence because that triumph is because of him. And when we're experiencing heartache and issue in your family life, know that he's with you in that storm and his hand is upon you. He's gonna work away. Stay the course, stay the course. Thank you, Jesus, pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, even in the midst of my long-windedness, Lord, I think I could sense the prompting of your spirit even in my own heart. The beauty, the majesty of who you are, that even as we share and proclaim your, your gospel, that even within our heart, you prompt each of us with next steps, the areas that you're retooling and working on to your glory. I thank you for the promise of your word, which declares that that which you've begun, you're faithful to bring it through to completion. Thank you, Lord, that we are not alone in all that we face. Help us to not only understand and appreciate, but know within our heart that we are blessed when we face trials of various kinds. Think of those who are unable to be with us here this afternoon. Heavenly Father, would you, as you do so well, perfectly even, minister to that very need, Lord, that area of lack of finance, lack of provision, because the obstacle that is before them
heard and he answered. I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I sought the Lord. 